the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back to Time 609, The Best of Enemies. You heard it on the commercial there. Um, by a very prominent and, and popular female actor these days. Um, very skilled in a lot of what she does by way of acting. The, the movie will play right into what David and I were discussing earlier. Civil rights and, and justice for black people, etc. Uh, and, 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 and as Jermaine was saying in our opening comment... Um, if you're not careful, you get some, they'll spice it with some profanity. They'll spice it with a few things here and there that, li- you know, liable to be sexual in nature because that's how movies sell. <laughs> you know, that's how they sell. And th- this one here will uh, kind of gather all the folks around and it will perpetuate the conflict between blacks and whites. It will because that's what Hollywood is designed to do in connection with big business, in connection with government. Keep the hostilities going on between people. I'm going to say one more thing and then I'm going to kin you. There is a culture. Uh, 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 there is a not a culture, but there is a um, complicit objective behind a lot of this uh, uh, reverting to the past. And going back and, and addressing grievances uh, that have never, ever been uh, made right back in the past. And, and, and that's designed to never be in a position to forgive. That's really what it's about. It's about being stuck in the past and never, ever being in a position to have to forgive because Christ would tell you to forgive if you're his. Now, if you're not his, you can use his name and you'll just disregard his precepts. But if you're his, he'll tell you to forgive and let me handle that. See, what I would much rather have is freedom. Freedom. Freedom and opportunity for me to be able to to, to prosper and to serve and to create and to produce and to be productive for myself, for my family, for my God, for my friends, for those who know me. I'd much rather have freedom and freedom to be able to, 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 to function and work and serve, serve my community. That's what I want, freedom. I don't want you to give me anything. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. I don't want to be in that position of weakness. I don't. Because he that is, 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 is borrowing something now is a slave to the lender. Well, they owe it to you. They don't mean anything. Just give, you owe me freedom. That's what love does. Love says, I'm, I'm letting you free to do what you want to do. But I know all the arguments. I really do. I know them all. I just want to encourage you to be careful not to trade freedom for a uh, utopian concept rooted in Marxism that can never, ever come to pass. Be careful. Let me go to line number three and talk with Kenya in Oakland. Kenya, are you there? Hi. Hi, Hi. Kenya. Thank you for your patience. No, no problem. Um, It was actually a pleasure hearing everyone that called before me. Mm -hmm. Um, You basically answered most of my questions um, and then incited more questions and answered those along the way. Now, were you um, were you thinking social justice issues and reparations and and uh, no, conflicts and things? Quite, I mean, obviously, those are always on the back of my mind. But right. I was thinking more along the lines of the sensitivity gauge mm-hmm. that you mentioned. Yes. And also along with the, the sensitivity gauge, you mentioned um, 
it'll come back to me. But that was basically with that alone, you answered like, why do I feel this way? <laughs> like, tell me why my new like born again past right so sporadic and is so wide range in its emotions mm-hmm. um and it's so i'm identifying as an incredibly sensitive believer right um and that is not off-putting to me at all it's actually relieving to just kind of name it and have it and have it, and I, I can deal with it now. See, look, um, see, so you know what? I, I'm glad. I, I want to stay with you on this topic, but uh, you know, we're just we're talking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, which is good. So, my friend Jermaine, the, uh, the first caller on this particular issue, right? You remember him? Mm-hmm. Um, he's a member of Grace too, and I've been knowing him for a long time as well. And Jermaine's just a beautiful uh, young brother, um, and and he has a sensitive spirit. And his question was framed perfectly for my basic uh, premise, which is we live in a world and I want to reframe it because we're in the second hour and other people are wondering what you and I are talking about. We live in a world where um, the, we're, we're learning how to manage life. This is a life management classroom issue that we're dealing with. And there are tensions all over the place. Good, bad. And the goal, uh, Kenya, is for us to be able to. Maintain our lot, our identity, our our calling as children of God, while also enjoying the things that God has for us in the world. That really is what God is calling us to. And we have to be careful to not find ourselves drifting to an extreme of pessimism that would lead to a kind of angry political person that wants to, you know, get out there and fight and protest or to a kind of uh, escapist licentiousness where all I'm doing is kind of, you know, uh, medicating myself and and living on the periphery of life. No, I want to be in the center of God's will, enjoying God while being missional at the same time. But this is where you and I are having our conversation and it's going to help a lot of people as it will when we have our, our daughters of grace, um, class on December on April twenty first or twenty seventh, something somewhere like that. The issue of identifying yourself as super sensitive is really important. It's just like really, really important because one of the areas that I think Christians are not as keen as they should be is on knowing who they are. What is the composite makeup of their present state in terms of their emotional? Uh, their emotional makeup, their psychological makeup, their spiritual makeup. And that triad there, as you've been hearing me talk about quite a bit, psychological, emotional, and spiritual makeup, those are the three tan- uh, the three triads that you are going to be working with, Kenya, for years in terms of maturing organically, learning didactically, and then kind of applying assertively. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be Kenya until the Lord comes and being satisfied with that is very important. It's very important so that you don't try to become something else other than who you are while you're growing to be all that you are meant to be. I love that. I love every last bit of that. Good. Um, I guess my question, therefore, after all of the feedback and questions previously asked is, I consider myself someone who focuses so much on being healthy um, and all of the above categories you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and now especially spiritual health, Mm -hmm. um, and that I learned from a long history of just mental health and Mm -hmm. depression and just that self-care required, and I feel very lucky because it prepped me for 
the spiritual maintenance that I'm currently experiencing. Um, That being said, my most unnerving, anxiety-inducing, like, dilemma in my newfound spirituality is the overwhelm and the anxiety that overwhelm incites when thinking about or seeing, I think for me, it's more witnessing and seeing the, I don't want to say this, but losing battle that spiritual man is facing. Um, I know it's not losing because I know God wins and that is the most healing truth I could have ever found. Right. But it's how, and I know this is like about like where you find your gifts and how to be most effective and, you know, how to like rest and all of the, and we've thought over (laughs) all of that, but I still struggle with the anxiety and how it takes me completely out into pessimism of how is this going to be possible? Like the salvation of, of like, I feel like all signs point to it's the losing battle and it's just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So it takes me completely out of my health. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really just admire the committed leaders that I see because this is not a new issue. Right. Um, we've just, this is just the latest generation of Face It. And yep, maybe yep. the most, um, you know, hopefully the most uh, effective to uh, address it. Um, but what if it's, that's, that's my thing. I'm like, in my optimism, I'm like, we got this. We're going to, you know, when, if not now. Right. In my pessimism, I'm like, there's just no way. Right. We keep, this is just. All signs point to we're losing, you know. Right. Um, so how? So my health is compromised in that dilemma. Yep. Uh, most uh, recently, I guess, in, yep. in my in my maturity and my development, spiritual development. Um, and I, I guess, like, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. what are your like coping mechanisms for? I mean, you happen to be um, amazing, but like, and you're surrounded by people who are receptive. Yeah. I find myself often in situations where people aren't receptive, right. and that's okay with me. Mm-hmm. And and it's not it's not the, it doesn't incite complete pessimism, Mm-mm. but it does kind of gauge like we've got so much work to do here. We've got <laughs> especially when I go to churches that are just professing churches, right? And I'm just like, oh no, <laughs> like they're under like the illusion of of works and like you know the illusion of of doing what they need to do and. So it's just for me, like, how do you handle the overwhelm? Mm, and mm, just mm, a, mm, like, how do you counsel yourself around that? Right, um, right. That's you. So you asked the same question four times, which is great because it's anchored for people that are listening. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a bit of an answer with you, uh, Kenya. That's gonna be logical to you because you're you're logical too. You're very very bright, uh, but it won't have a whole lot of. Emotional satisfaction only because I don't have time to unpack it. But so our first class is going to be in our DOG in a couple of weeks. And if you're not working, because I know you're working, but if you're able to make it, um, it's going to be on emotional fog. Okay, Uh, the the fog that rises up when we get emotionally unstable and it can challenge us on a number of levels. Uh, The 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 second stage of emotional fog, when it gets you the second stage, if we allow the fog to stay there too long, what it will create is a state of being overwhelmed, which is what you're talking about. And that overwhelmed state is that state into which we enter 
where we lose a lot of different kind of confidences because our feet is swept up from under us. And we're going to deal with that in the second class somewhere around uh, April, May, June or July. Um, But let me just say this briefly for you where you are. We all have this kind of rubber band stretch. This this is called a reaction. It's a rubber band reaction to something that does not. Uh, uh, it does not uh, fit us well, doesn't settle us when we hear it. And we respond emotionally like a rubber band. We will stretch out, oh, and then we'll pop back. And for some of us, that stretching out is a broadband stretch that really takes us through a number of emotional cycles before we recapture and center again. Now, that's due to a bunch of things. One is our upbringing, and you shared a little bit with that. Second is our intrinsic uh, uh, physiological makeup genetically, and that's can't do much about that. But thirdly is our maturity level, particularly, again, on a spiritual level. For you, it's just going to be a matter of continually working on what you already know is emotional management or emotional control uh, with matters that value, with situations that are uh, of value to you. When you are able to manage that emotional stretching and goes pop uh, better down the line, you won't you won't struggle so bad with what comes out of it because I go through it too, like everybody does. Believe me, we all do. Uh, but you'll get better and better and better at it, and uh, you you will ignore what comes up out of the emotional stretching that can lead to some really negative thoughts and some pessimistic conclusions until you recover. We all go through it. You'll be fine. Listen, I got to go. Thank you for the call. Got to take a break. Camille, you hold on. I'll get you after the break. Three lines open, one 888 Yep, we all got a rubber band, <laughs> and it stretches way out sometimes and crazy pops out of it but god brings us back aren't you thankful for that i'll be right back and now back to lifeline and we're back two lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine if you want to call and um contribute to our topic you can do so one triple eight three six seven five three two nine let me go to camille on line one camille are you there yeah, from here. All right. Thank you for your patience. Um, how can we help you? What's your thoughts, comments, or questions today? I, I think I have a, a, a question mm-hmm. and um, uh, two questions, actually, and I'm hoping I'm on topic. Mm-hmm. The, the one is about um, prayer to rectify the situation that um, black people um, encounter daily mm-hmm. in, in this world. And um, I have five brothers. I think I have... 40-something nephews or 50-something nephews. We're, we're a large family, and I have three sons of my own. Living? Living? All living. Oh, wow. Everybody. Yeah, we there were nine children. and um, That's I, beautiful. My, my parents, nine children, and then out of theirs, you know, they have five boys and, and, and so on and so on. So we have quite a large family. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's a concern. I actually had a nephew um, and last in 20, I'm trying to make sure I get the date right, in 2017, who was 15 years old, mm-hmm. that was murdered. Yeah. And um, it was it was devastating. It was my, he was my great nephew, he was my niece's son. Yeah. And, um, and, and not at the hands of, of the police, but at the hand of another um, child that, right. that was around his age. So 
the question is, I completely agree with you that, that only prayer is, is going to change um, anything, the hearts of man in general, and yeah. then prayer is the only thing that is going to change the situation, because as you said, vengeance does belong to the Lord, but when something like that hits home, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, it's an officer or if it's an individual, um, that is, that, it is so incredibly devastating yep. for, for the family, and it places fear in, in the other kids that their cousin was murdered, their, mm-hmm. their brothers and their sisters, um, of the, the siblings of the, of the child. And um, it's so hard to, to, to even give a word of encouragement Yep. Um, at a time like that, or even later on, when your kids are asking you, "Why do they hate us? What do we do? Right. You know, what what does black have have to be hated for? I don't understand. Why is it okay for the kids at school to use the N word? But but you know, if somebody says something that's a quote unquote anti-Semitic, it's on the news. But it's okay for them to call us this anytime they want to, and and it's just fair game. And if we if we hit them or we retaliate, then we'll be the ones that are suspended. And it seems so uh, um, unbalanced, right? And, and it is, and and you know, and it's and it is satanic at the core. Of mm-hmm. course, you know, we we understand that. So my question is, what type of of prayer is it warfare that we need to mm-hmm. encounter on on the behalf of our children as mm-hmm. a whole and getting my children to understand that we are jointly fit together as one body. Mm-hmm. And we have to, even though it's, it's, these kind of things are devastating, we are still part of one body. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to function in that manner. So getting them to understand that and, and without them having fear and without them having hatred um, and, and malice in, when, when things like this take, takes place, how do we how do we do that consistently? Yeah, I I'm I'm with you too, Camille. I, I you know I'm I'm going back right now because I'm African American. Uh, you know, you probably got that. Um, grew up in the '60s, and um, all I knew was violence um, during the time of um, a great deal of um, both uh, drug trafficking in West Oakland and East Oakland and hostile conflicts between. Uh, Felix Mitchell and uh, and a couple other gangs that are not so well known, both the east side, west side. And I was kind of cast into the midst of that at about 12 or 13 years old. Um, at that time, the Black Panthers were doing their exploits and, you know, FBI was doing what they were doing. And, you know, we, we were all very much aware of some of the conflicts going on with those brothers, et cetera. And we lived in a lot of tension. Um, and I, I think about how, uh, how different things are today, but how 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 very familiar and similar they are as well. Uh, and and as an African American uh, boy at that time, with with two brothers and uh, several cousins, and then just a whole bunch of uh, hoodie hoodie brothers, um, you know, having to kind of uh, deal with life every day, walking to school or catching the bus to school, or um, Going anywhere, which in that kind of context, a lot of times we just stayed in the village, if you know what I mean. We just kind of circled our territory. We wouldn't go out too much until nighttime. But we did end up doing things that I now as a believer know 
um, I shouldn't have been doing. I, I, I was in places that I shouldn't have been doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. None of it merits being killed. None of it. So I'm not saying that even remotely. I do remember the first time one of our, my dear friends, uh, Charles Gartner, got killed 14 years old on 14th Street in the middle of just a, a spur of shootings that occurred. We were both 13, 14 at that time, and, and it was clear on me, endangered species. Back in the day, we were listening to uh, the Funkadelics, and uh, endangered species is what we were uh, very much aware of for ourselves. So, you know, we all put on our jackets and, and did what we did. I'm I'm just reflecting, uh, putting my feet in the young men's shoes that I have to do when I do uh, do funerals, Camille, frequently for this same thing, more frequently than than not. And um, I, I remember that had I known God then uh, the way I do now, I would have been able to make better choices to avoid conflicts with friends who also turned out to be, um, you know, people who more quickly than I wanted to turn guns on me. I remember very clearly, I remember very clearly this, just like it was yesterday, a friend of mine, we were in cahoots, we're partners, we, we're throwing down together, get mad at me, and then just pull out a gun and just point it square at me, talking crazy. And I'm going, whoa, we're only 14 years old, 15 years old, and he could have just easily pulled the trigger. You know, by the way, he ended up in prison for many, many years and then got killed in prison. And most of my other buddies, they ended up on dope and then being killed in dope gangs and stuff like that as well. So I know that life. And then we also know the life of being beat up by the police and then released without even due process. Um, All that kind of stuff. Again, the thing that comes to my mind then and now, Camille, is that God is really our answer. And as much as people are frustrated and angry and uh, uh, just at their wits end, it's still God. And so what the church has to do, mama and daddy and big bra uh, and big sister and auntie uh, and grandma and grandpa, we still have to stay in the pocket, have to stay in the pocket of, of being prophetic and priestly, prophetic and priestly, prophetic and priestly, prophetic in that we in love, declare the word of God, declare the gospel, declare grace, cover them. They, they have to be covered. They have to be saved. They have to, they have to know Christ so, so that no matter what happens, Camille, that if, 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 if misfortune occurs in the inscrutable providence of God because we're just in the jungle like we are, uh, when we lay them down, we can know where they're going. And we don't have to be faking about that. So we, we prophetically let them know Christ is the only way. And that, that is an issue between them and Christ. Uh, and then just, and just model charity, model love, model uh, temperance, model restraint. Everything that I'm saying, Martin Luther King ultimately came to realize was the only way to solve the problem of dealing with the political beast. Because he understood as he got deeper into politics, Camille, that the beast was so avarice, so uh, so in control, so so bloodthirsty for absolute power and control over all people, uh, let alone blacks, that the the idea of fighting him, you know, tooth for tooth, eye for eye, fist for fist, life for life um, is not the way to get it done. The gospel calls us to be lambs. And so a lot of times without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. We end up having to lay down our lives and eventually uh, the, the beast is seen for what he is uh, when enough of 
our blood is shed. The beast is seen for what he is. And then there's repentance granted. The Holy Ghost is able to bring clarity to everybody as to how ugly our culture is and how ugly our world is and how ugly sin is. And then we get a reprieve for uh, hopefully a a generation or two where we can uh, live at peace and prosper because the only way we can prosper, Camille, is in the context of peace. That's the only way we can prosper. So you and I have to continue living in the morning and grieving of injustice while at the same time occupying the space of influencers, both prophetically and priestly comforters as priests. Uh, you, you got it. Prayer warriors, which is why I love prayer and have a prayer team praying all the time because it, we're not going to have peace without it. And my, my, my prayer is that our churches would become much more committed to to the artillery of prayer, um, you know, in, in in conjunction with loving on people as we ought to love on them and, and ask the spirit of God to give us more grace than we have presently. Because I can I can feel your I can feel your pain. And I'm not saying that like Bill Clinton. I just do. I feel what you're saying. And I'm humbled by your your reflection on it. So you did have one more question. I, I do. Um, I have a, a a couple of uh, my brothers that that have left um, Christianity. I believe one. Yep. Um, they, we were originally from the East Coast, and they are back on that side of of, of the nation. Yep. And um, it's uh, the Hebrew. Yep. Black Hebrews. Yep. Yeah, and they're um, and and I, it's completely understandable to me as to the why um, that that they've done it when the church is silent. Yeah. On injustice, and they don't they don't present a group. Okay, we need to, we need all the men to come in, regardless of color. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to lift up this part of the body this week, and we're going to pray fervently. And we want these these kids, especially in this this um, this race, to be covered because this is where Satan is hitting. That doesn't happen. Agreed. It's unfortunate. It should. And so that now you have um, you have our our young black men and middle-aged black men that that are that are going you know to this this, to this religion and and you know and they and they have you know some validity in it so of course it works for them and and you know as long as they sprinkle enough of what they grew up with from the word of god into it then they're 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 appeased by it and satisfied by it and, and and feel justified to be within it so we've been you know praying about that and and everything, and I don't try to argue with with them or or present any real case. If something comes up, and I just tell them, "Well, you're not praying for you," and that's the extent of of, of what I, I I believe that God would have me do in that situation. So your your situation is that's very difficult. That's a very difficult one. You're doing the right thing. Um, I would leave it to um, prudent sages to deal with um, our brothers that are drifting back into a more ethnocentric gospel, which I would oppose and and, and, and deny. And, and I would do it graciously to let them know that I don't think that's the solution either. But what I do know is that if you just leave it be, it will ultimately prove itself not to be the solution. And, and then because I've seen brothers recover from getting caught up into identity politics in the name of religion and you know, get to reinterpreting the Bible and, and dealing with it from, again, an Afrocentric standpoint. And over time, they, they recover. But uh, if they're angry, 
they'll sit in it for a long time and they'll deal with it from an angry perspective. And their God will be a hostile God that wants to punish the white man and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Sure, we both understand and identify with it emotionally, but it doesn't reach to the level of the dignity of the gospel, which is for all men and, and, and all ethnic groups around the world. It's only one race, different ethnic groups, one, one race. Um, but you can't you can't get that across when they're angry. So we just have to pray for them because we do have our brothers drifting into that direction. Listen, I got to take a break. Thank you, Camille, for uh, your heart and your clarity. Um, and we're we're in this with you. Bless you. Bless you. I got to take a break. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. We are back. That was a great call. Camille, thank you for the call. Let me go to line two and talk with Deborah, Deborah in Castro Valley. Deborah, are you there? Yes, I am, Pastor. How are you this evening? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. I'm calling to uh, uh, say that the Grace uh, Bible, that Grace Bible Church, would like to invite the uh, KFAX listening audience and the Bay Area communities to our first health summit and wellness fair this Saturday, April the 6th, from 10 until 3. Mm-hmm. Looking forward and, to it myself. And not only are we excited about uh, our health fair, but I must say that uh, the topics that will be covered are very comprehensive as it relates to health, and the number of speakers mm-hmm. and the topics that they will be delving into are very comprehensive as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you called and I'm glad I'm glad you got in because uh, today's show was just something else in terms of um, the main topic. You are right. Um, it's going to be a great, a great, um, a great time on Saturday. You, we call it the first annual health summit and well, wellness fair, Deb, and it's largely us wanting to give back to our communities, uh, our community on uh, on the level of honoring our bodies even as God grants us the ability to honor our soul and um, and to do what you know is part of our um, our, our 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 mo our modus operandi finish well and therefore yeah. and therefore take seriously our our health and you are right there are going to be somewhere between seven to nine speakers that will address uh, a litany of these matters from uh, issues of diabetes and blood pressure and and a holistic uh, health and and uh, specific catering messages to men and women african-american men uh, and yeah. women and, and 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 children as well there will be exercise demonstrations in our health fair will uh, also encompass some things for children. So folks um, folks will have a great time and be really informed when they come out. Yes, yes. And in addition to that, they'll learn about a lot of resources That's right. um, that are available for residents in Alameda County. And so that just adds to uh, making this a very comprehensive uh, health fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of just honed in on some of the topics that just recently occurred. You are so right. There will be tables set up by several different organizations covering everything again from, uh, you know, dealing with I think it's going to be either Kaiser coming out and doing high blood pressure testing to help people. There will be people there um, dealing with divine home care, Project Open Hands. 
uh, advanced health care directives. Alameda Food Bank will be out there. Just a number of resources to help people in areas that we don't really often think about because we're not in that kind of critical stage, but they will, there will be all kinds of information for people to learn from. And for me, Deb, it's, you know, I'm glad that we'll be doing it for grace, but everyone that wants to come out, that's going to be an added bonus as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And grace is, is, uh, uh, the, the fact that you're hosting this, that we're hosting this as a church, mm-hmm. just speaks to the holistic approach in, in which grace is all about. It's yep. it's both the it's it's the mind, the body, and the soul. Yep. And and this is uh this is going to be an event where one will learn more about health, the importance of health, preventive health and uh pain management and yep. a number of other very, very important topics. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, so I'm glad that you called to, to remind me of it um, and remind our listening audience as well. And I'm just going to sneak in one more bit since most people know your voice when you call and uh, grace our station in preparation for our Daughters of Grace coming up in about three weeks as well. I'm so looking forward to this year's topics because they are complementary to this idea of um, holistic health, since the gospel calls us to um, a hygiene level that honors God. It means our heart, mind, and soul, like you said, soul, body, and spirit uh, need need to be brought into conformity to the Word of God, and I'm looking forward to, to our DOG. I am too, Pastor, on the 27th of April, mm-hmm. and uh that has yet to be announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just sneaking it in right now just to get a hold of my. I'm hoping that you will not be uh, on some kind of missionary journey taking care of your family as the matriarch so that you can uh, uh, be with us during that time because, you know, uh, the sisters really do enjoy um, your moderating and, uh, and and running that program. So I hope all will be well, that you will be healthy, that dad will be healthy, that the family um, surrounding you will be healthy because, you know, it's not a given. It's just not a given. I'm dealing with right. so much of that right now, Deb, so much right. of it. So I'm much sure you are. I'm yeah. sure you are. And God willing, I will be there. I plan to be there. Good. And uh, one of the things that I'm noticing, Pastor, as, as we have uh, these uh, presentations through the Ministry of Daughters of Grace, that the, uh, the size of those in attendance, the number of those in attendance, is just growing yep. and growing and growing, which is a testimony to um, the very essence of the ministry, and that is to inform yep. and to enhance and yep. empower yep. And to support sisters, and so the word is getting out. And sisters are not e- not only attending, but they are following up with questions. They're following up for additional support and resources. And so the ministry has been a blessing mm-hmm. uh, to to others, but others have been a blessing to the ministry. Absolutely, that's the concept of the health of the body, um, as. Paul puts it, every joint fitly uh, fitly joined together, supplying each part. That's a mutual thing that has to occur with the body of Christ. And I'm seeing that occur um, with particularly with our with our Daughters of Grace ministry. I really do have to think through what I was just thinking about this today. What am I going to do? 
with uh, with Deborah's church uh, in the breakout session, what I'm going to do with uh, Deborah's church in the breakout session, because there's so many, I'm trying to figure out a way to manage that because that's such an essential part now that you know um, has to be responded to as effectively as possible, particularly if we have more women coming out. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, but it, it just proves that the breakout sessions are is, is something that everyone looks forward to because that creates that intimacy yeah. that sisters are looking for, so their voices can be heard yep. individually yep. Um, yep. and on a person by person basis. Mm-hmm. And so, it God has blessed it tremendously, yep. and and as a result of that, it is growing. Yep, it sure is. Yep, it is growing. Yep. All right, listen, thank you for the call. I'm getting ready to wind this down. I want to talk to one more person. Thanks for reminding us that this Saturday we will be having our first annual health summit and wellness fair, and um, look forward to seeing you then, Deb. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yep, that's what's going on this Saturday. I hope you can make it. You can bring your kids out, young adults, young couples, older people. We love you guys. Y'all come on out, too. Um, We'll have uh, uh, smoothies and snacks and things like that to kind of quench our thirst uh, from 10 to 3. There will be about nine speakers. They'll get about 20 minutes apiece, maybe 30 at the most. Then we'll do a Q&A from about uh, 1.30 to 2.30 and, uh, and and wrap it up. But we really do want you to come and join us. You can come from any church, anywhere, anytime. If the Lord lays us on your heart, come on out. We'll be glad to, uh, to, in, to engage you in this health summit for our, all of our wellness. Let me go to line one quickly and talk to my brother Dan in Sonoma. Dan, how are you? Well, greetings to you and blessings. You too, my brother. We've got about three minutes. Tell me what's on your thoughts. I just want to make a quick comment in regard to British Israelism, because it relates a little bit to something that was said earlier. Absolutely. Is that it's a failure to deal really with, uh, aside from the Adventist uh, uh, component, eschatology, yep. the eschatology involved, it also is a failure to deal with Paul's writings about being a Gentile, like in Colossians and Galatians, yep. and Rover and Romans, well... If you would claim to be an Israelite and then get a biology test and see whether you are an Israelite, you'd find out that uh, maybe Ancestry.com would tell you you are not. But um, those were my comments. Well, right then and there, I can tell you, um, that's why I'm kind of being a little bit reserved uh, for the near future, uh, Dan, because I, I'm very much aware of what you s- stated. And when I'm preaching and dealing with the notion of the true Jew, uh, the biblical Jew, unfortunately, uh, the uh, the monopolizing of that concept with this present uh, identified group called ethnic Israel, as is, um, you know, slated in Palestine right now as the dominant party there, um, uh, in conjunction with your British Israelites, in conjunction with your uh, black Hebrew Israelites, who, who would all um, assert that they are the true children of Abraham, that if we could really get at the genetic component, we would discover uh, something radically different. I don't know if they're going to ever do that. But so long as they don't do that, what we are dealing with is a false premise. 
And until we address the false premise, I remember doing a, having a symposium here on KFAX at, uh, at my friend uh, Gary Matar's place on racism. And the presupposition at that time was never, ever uh, challenged. And that is that we are not many different races on planet Earth. We're one, we are one race, one nation, one blood with different ethnic groups. And that can be proven genetically. But even if it were the case that we somehow are different races the the impossible task dan of being able to isolate you and isolate me and isolate somebody else into a pure race individual individuation is absolutely absurd which means if i have a little of dan in me that is your your particular ethnic group or race and you have a little of jesse in you If I condemn Dan, I condemn Jesse. And if Dan condemns Jesse, Dan condemns Dan. The logic is unassailable. So when we are buying into these categories like, you know, these these this kind of a uh, spiritual apartheid categories, we are setting ourselves up to abandon the gospel wholesale. It's really a sad lack of reasoning through fundamental logic. And exegetically, it just won't stand up to the scrutiny of the New Testament. And, and that's what you are asserting. And I'm very I'm very clear on that as well. Bless you, my dear brother. I got to take a break. Get ready to wind this down. Um Thinking about it this way, thinking about a minute to go, um, we really do need to be working on our health um, and allowing our blood pressure to rise, allowing us to be living at sustained levels of, uh, of uh, stress is a major culprit in tearing down not only our uh, physiology, but our psychology as well. God did not call us to live at heightened states of hostility or anger or rage. But to work six days in a covenant of grace and peace with him and then to rest on the seventh day, that is the cycle of working, resting, working, resting, and enjoy his blessings in our life. And who is he that will see good days and live a long life? But the men or the women or the people of group, people group rather, that will eschew evil, eschew evil, eschew hostility. That the men of God is not to be contentious and fighting and arguing and debating and, and going hostile and tribal. That's the biblical gospel. It's what you and I are called to. May God grant you that. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. Until next time, God bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.